Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Part 3, Chapter 15, The Man of the Island. From the side of the hill, which was more here steep and stony, a stout of gravel was dislodged and fell rattling and bounding through the trees. My eyes turned instinctively in that direction. I saw a figure leap with great rapidity behind the trunk of the pine. What it was, the bear or man or monkey, I could in no way wise tell. It seemed dark and shaggy. More I knew not, but the terror of this new apparition brought me to stand. It was now, it seemed, cut off down, cut off upon both sides behind me. The murderers before me, this lurking nondescript, immediately began to prefer the dangers I knew to those I knew not. Silver silver appeared less trouble in contrast to this creature of the woods. I turned on my heel, looking sharply behind me over my shoulder, over my shoulder, began to retrace my steps in the direction of the boats. Instantly the figure reappeared, making a wide circuit, again the cut to head me off. I tired at any rate, but I had, I had not been as fresh as when I rose. I could see it, it was in vain for me to contend in my speed with such an adversary. From trunk to trunk there a creature fitted <coughs> like a deer, running manlike on two legs, but unlike any man ever seen, stooping almost doubles that it ran. Yet a man it was. I could no longer be in doubt about that. I began to recall what I heard of the cannibals, as in an ace of calling for help. The mere fact that he was a man, ever wild and somewhat reassured, had somewhat reassured me. The fear of Sil began to revive in proportion. I stood still, therefore, cast about for some method of escape, as I was so thinking of recollection of my pistol flashed into my mind. As soon as I remembered I was not defenceless, courage glowed again in my heart. I set my face resolutely for this man of the island and walked briskly towards him. He was concealed by his time between another tree trunk, but he must have been watching me closely, for as soon as I began to move, he directly appeared and took a step to meet me. Then he hesitated, drew back, came forward again. At last, to my wonder and confusion, threw himself on his knees and held out his hands in, in stipulation. At once, at once, Moore stopped. Who are you, asked? Ben, ben Gunn, he answered, his voice sounded hoarse, awkward and like a rusty lock. I'm poor Ben Gunn, I am. I have spoke with a Christian these three years. I could see he was a white man like myself. His features were even and were even pleasing. His skin, however exposed, was burnt by sun. His lips were black, his fair eyes looked quite startling in so dark a face. Of all the beggar men that I had ever seen or fancied, he was a chief of raggedness. He clothed with tatters of old ship canvas, old sea cloth. Destroyed patchwork was all held together by a system of most various incongruous fastenings, brass buttons, bits of stick, Loops of tiny gas linking. His waist he wore low brass buckled but never built, which is one thing solid in his whole equipment. Three years, I cried. Where were you shipwrecked? Nay, mate, 
said he, marooned. As I heard the word, I knew it stood for a horrible kind of punishment, common enough among the Swakaneers, in which the offender is put ashore, a little powder shot, and left behind on some desolate, distant island. Marooned three years ago, he continued to live on goats since then, berries and oysters. Whoever man is, says I, a man could do for himself, but mate, my art is sore for Christian diet. You don't happen to have a piece of cheese about you. Now know well, maze a long night I dreamed of cheese, toasted mother in sleep. I woke up again, and here I were. If ever I can get aboard again, said I, you shall have that cheese by the stone. And all this time he'd been filling the stuff of my jacket, smoothing your hands, looking at my boots, draining intervals of his speech, showing a childish pleasure in the presence of a fellow creature. But my last words he put but at my last work he put into a kind of startled shyness. Ever you can get aboard again, says you, repeating. But why now? Who's to hinder you? Not that, not you, I know, was my reply. I write you was, he cried. Now you, what do you call yourself, mate? Jim, I told him. Jim, Jim, he says, quite pleased apparently. Well now, Jim, I lived in that rough as you'd be ashamed of hear of. Now, for instance, you wouldn't think I had a pious mother to look at me? He cried, why? Not to, no, not in particular, I answered. Oh, well, said he, I had a remarkable pious, but I had a remarkable pious. I was a civil pious boy and could rattle off my characters of them that fast. You couldn't tell one word from another. Here was he came to, Jim. Began with chuck chuck throat, even on the blessed gravestones, and he began with, but he went further than that. So my mother told me, I picnicked it to the hole. She did, a pious woman, but it were providence that put me here. I thought it all out, this here lonely island, my back on piety. You couldn't catch me tasting rum or so much, it's just a thumbful for luck. Of course, the first choice I have. I'm bound to be good and see the way you two. And Jim, looking all around him and lowering his voice to whisper, to toy rich. I now felt sure the poor fellow had gone crazy in solitary. Suppose I must have shown a feeling in my face. He repeated the statement heartily. Rich, 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 I says. I tell you what, I make a man of you, Jim. Old Jim, we bless your stars. You will, you was the first of that family. This there came suddenly a lowering shadow of his face. He tightened his grasp upon his hat, my hand, and raised a forefinger, threatening, but before my aunt, threateningly, for my eyes. Now, Jim, you tell me true, that ain't flinch shit, be asked. At this, I have had a happy inspiration. I began to believe. Finally, I answered him at once. It's not flinch ship. I'm flint is dead, I tell you true. As you ask me, there's some of Flint's hands aboard. Worse luck for the rest of us. Not a man without with one leg, he grasps. Silver as us. Old Silver, says he. That was his name. He's a cook and ringlinger, too. He's still holding my, my brother wrist. And that he gave me such a ring. If he was a slip by Long John, he said. Well, he's good as port, I know it. And But you were, was, where was you? Did you suppose? I made my mind in a moment. I waved up to answer told him the whole story of our voyage, a predicament in which she found ourselves, heard me the keenest interest, 
And when I done, he patted me on the head. You good lad, Jim. He said, do you uh, all in clutch cool hitch, aren't you? Well, you just pop your trusted bitty bin gun. Then guns the men to do it. Would you think it? Likely now that your squire will prove a liberal mighty one, case of the will, I mean, being a cold bitch, as you remarked. I told him squire was most liberal men. Oi, but you see, returned Ben Gunn, I didn't mean giving myself, giving me a gate to keep in suit and livery clothes as such. They're not my mark, Jim. What I means is, will you be likely to come down to the tomb or say £1,000 out of money? That's a good as one man's own already. I'm sure he would, said I. It was it was all hands for the share. A passage home, he added with a look of great shoeless. Why I Why I cried the squires, gentlemen, and besides, if he got rid of the others, he should want you to help work the vessel home. Oh, he said he, so you would, he seemed very much relieved. Now I tell you, went on. So much I tell you and so more. I were in Flint's ship, but he buried his treasure. He and six alone. Six strong seamen, a sure alive and a weak, and us standing off and all on, on the old warris. One fine day up went the signal, near came Flint with himself in his little boat, his head down up in a blue scarf, the sun was setting up, getting up in the moment all white. He looked about the cut water. And there he was, was me mind, six all dead, dead and buried. How he done it, not a man aboard of us could make out. Was it battle, murder, or sudden death, these ways? Him against six. Me bones the mate, Long John. He was a quartermaster. They asked him where the treasure was. Oi, he says. You could go ashore if you like and stay, he says. But as you, as for the ship, she'll beat you, beat up for more. By thunder. That's what he said. I was in the other ship three years back, and he sighted his island boys. And I said, I, here's Flint's treasure. Let's an end and find it. The captain was displeased. That was my, but my messmates all over the mind had landed. Twelve days they looked for it. Every day they had the worst word for me. Till one might we'll find money all hands, went aboard. As for you, Benjamin Gunn, he says, hey, Here's a musket, they says, and a spade and pickaxe. You stay here and find Flint's money for yourself, he says. Well, Jim, three years have I been here, not a bite of Christian diet from that day to this. And now you look at me, or look at me. Do I look like a man before the mouse? No, I says you. No, I won't neither, I was, I says. Then he winked and punched me hard. So as you mentioned them words to your squire, Jim, he went on. Oh, he won't. If he went, either that's worse. For years, he was a man of this island, light and dark, fair and wave. Sometimes he would maybe think upon a prayer, says you. Sometimes he would maybe think of his old mother, so she'd be alive, you say. For most part of Jim's time, this is what they say. The most part of his time was took up with another with another matter. Then you gave him a nip like I do. He pinched me again in most conventional manner. Then he continued, Then you up and you say this gun is good man. You say he puts a precious sight. Well, confidence, a precious sight. Why not, gentlemen born? Those gentlemen of fortune having 
being one himself. Well, said I said, don't say one word you've been saying, for there's neither here nor there. For now I am, am I to get on board? Ah, said he, that's it for sure. Well, he is my boat, and me my two hands. I keep under the white rock, the worst part of what it was. We must try that after dark. Aye, you said, broke out. What's that? For then, just then, around below the sun, till an hour or two to run. All the echoes of the island awoke, below to the thunder of a cannon. They began, they began to fight, they cried, fellow me. Began to run towards the anchorage, my terrors all forgotten. While close at my side, the maroon man in his goat stings trotted easily and lightly. Left, left, he says. Keep your left hand, mate, Jim. And the trees with you, cheers, where I killed my first goat. And then, didn't come down here now. They all missteaded on them. Mountains for the rear, a belly gun, Benjamin gun. Oh, well, he'd been there's the cemetery. So he must have, he must have meant. You see the mouths? Oh, he come here to pray. Down and then, so I thought, maybe Sunday would be that about. Be about doom. It wasn't like quite a chapel. It seemed more sudden than that. Right then, said you. Began. There goes the shorthand. No chapney, nor such as a chapel flag, he says. As he kept talking, I ran, neither expecting, receiving an answer. Cannon shot was followed of a considerable interval by a volley of small arms. Love paused and then not a quarter of a mile, mile in front of me. Beheld in a Union Jack, fluttering the air above a wood. 